Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth. And we already have a lot of people angry in the comments. We already have a lot of people going crazy about the breaking news the Patriots within the last hour trading starting right guard Shaq Mason to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a 2022 fifth round draft choice. It frees up a little bit over $6 million in salary cap space for the Patriots. And at this point, it's getting harder and harder to justify some of these moves, to explain some of these moves to all of you. And I think most importantly, the Patriots are taking on water here, right? I mean, they already came into this offseason with quite a few holes to plug. Now you look at it and you see J.C. Jackson's gone. Now they have multiple spots to fill on the offensive line. We went into this offseason thinking there was maybe one hole to fill on the offensive line, and potentially a guard spot or a tackle spot, depending on how they felt about Michael Onwenu and where his future holds. They let Ted Karras get away. They still have no idea there's a right tackle situation going on that they haven't figured out yet. And as much as I want to sit here and be patient and say there's still another shoe to drop because you don't free up cap space like this for no reason. Clearly, they're freeing up the space for Mason to go and do something with it. But I I don't know, Alex, I'm having a difficult time here even me, who is Mr. Optimism when it comes to the Patriots most of the time, this is a positive show. Most of the time when it comes to the Patriots, it is difficult to continue to explain away not only getting rid of these players and letting these players move on, but also justifying the return that they're getting for a lot of these players is difficult to stomach as well. Yeah, look, the idea of trading Shaq Mason in general, uh, you know, isn't... Horrible. It would have been a lot easier to to swallow if they kept Ted Karras, but that they obviously didn't. Right. But I look at it. They made a comparable trade with the same team in Logan Mankins. Now, here's the difference. Logan Mankins was 32, right? 32. Let me make sure I have that right. Logan Mankins was 32. He might have been 30. uh, No, yeah, he was 32. Logan Mankins was 32, and he wanted a new deal. He was holding out. Shaq Mason's 29 and under contract for two more years. They got a fourth-round pick and a contributing caliber player when they traded Logan Mangans. They got a fourth-round pick, and they got Tim Wright. They got a fifth-round pick, full stop, for Shaq Mason. That's not enough. That's not enough of a return. And like you said, offensive line is a need now. 
right? The right, right. tackle spot, we still don't know. They could bring Trent Brown back. We don't know. Michael Unwenu is going to fill one guard, one guard spot. They're going to have to fill the other. And then let's not right. forget left tackle next year, Isaiah Wynn. His contract is going to be expiring. They're going to need to add another tackle next year. That's not what you do. That's not what you do when you have a young quarterback back there. Right. This is, and I yep. spent all of last year, all of last year, right? Talking about the four-year window. This is not what teams in the second year of the four-year window, the young quarterback do. It It's backwards, right? They, they should be on the other end of deals like this. This is a team that is just trying to get, like this kind of deal is a team that's just trying to get younger and add draft capital. The Patriots got significantly younger last year with that draft. So this is, again, everything is about building around Mac Jones. You have him on this affordable deal. The idea is you bring back players in premium positions. You maybe pay a little bit more for than you would otherwise. That would have been JC Jackson. They didn't do it. Well, you at least got to protect the kid. Now they've lost three starters on the offensive line. It is getting tough. I, I said at the end of the show yesterday, and I'll say it again. We got a long way to go. This is day two of free agency. The new league year hasn't even begun. Right. There's a lot of free agents left to sign. There still is the draft, but they they've they are now further away than they were when we were on here yesterday. Yeah. They I don't feel like they got closer today. Mac Wilson is an interesting acquisition, but I don't feel like they're closer to that goal today than they were yesterday. I feel like they're further away. Doesn't mean they can't get there, but they I I can't get behind this trade. I don't understand it. Yeah. Not for that return. The other thing I would say too is a couple people have pointed this out in the chat and they're spot on. The Patriots had other avenues to free up the same amount of cap space that they just freed up with this Shaq Mason trade. And what this points to me is a reluctance either on Robert Kraft's part to pay the money up front or on Bill Belichick's part to borrow from future years against the cap to use some of the cap tools at their disposal to free up more space. So they could have, for example, restructured Matthew Judon's contract and in turn salary into signing bonus and freed up the same $6 million that they just freed up with Shaq Mason by making that move. They could have extended Hunter Henry for another season and put tacked on another year onto his contract and freed up similar cap space. They, I think all of us would have been fine if we came on today and said that the Patriots have traded Nelson Aguilar for a fifth round pick, we'd all be fine with it, right? Because go ahead and use that cap space someplace else on another wide receiver that fits better. The Patriots doing this with Shaq Mason tells me that the only explanation for it from that perspective is that maybe they didn't think Shaq had as good of a year last year as we all did or PFF did or all of us media or our fans thought he did and they saw the player starting to deteriorate and they saw the player starting to be, Oh, let's get out of this uh, a year early instead of a year too late. The problem is, is that they are in the one door and out the other with that strategy, right? Because certain guys, they just earlier today, uh, we were going to talk about it off the top of the show until this happened. They re-signed James White. And then the other day, they re-signed Devin McCourty. And they re-signed Matthew Slater. And they continue to add, uh, continue to roster these veteran players. But a 29-year-old Shaq Mason is, is a step too far. He's the guy that's the odd man out. And I also put on top of this what happened yesterday with Ted Karras, which they bu- absolutely butchered that situation too. With Karras, 
they offered him three for 15 right around the combine, which also coincided with the time the team started calling about Shaq Mason's availability as it, I think those things are very much connected. Then they get to free agency or the legal tampering period and they drop their offer to Ted Karras by $2 million. They go from three from 15 max value to three for 13. And he looks at the Cincinnati Bengals and says, I'm going to go protect Joe Burrow. See you later. Right. So they end up losing Ted Karras and Shaq Mason. And and they offered Ted Karras a legitimate deal. That three for 15 was a legitimate offer. He only got three for 18 from Cincinnati. So that's a real money offer. And my guess is, is that Karras was probably the plan, right? They probably wanted to bring back Karras and they were going to free up money by trading Shaq and keeping Karras and putting on Wenyu at guard. And this whole house of cards came crashing down on them a little bit on the offensive line. So then I come back to, then why pull the trigger on the Shaq trade? Like if, if that was the plan, right? then why not, why continue to pull the, just pull out of the Shaq trade then and, and just go a different direction? So, yeah, I'd be really I, I was going to say it there and you kind of hit on it at the end. I'd be really interested to see the timeline in all of this. Right. Because, again, if they bring Karis back, I don't think this is as jarring. I, I, you know, again, the return's not quite what it should be. Nobody, by the way, nobody is ever allowed again to say Bill Belichick hates Tom Brady. If he really hated Tom Brady, he wouldn't have gifted him a yeah. top five guard in the league. So they're fine. Those two are fine. Clearly. Um the return's still a little low, but like if they kept Karis, it's like, all right, they're freeing right. up some cap. They did have like an 80 pick gap in the draft. They didn't have a fifth round pick. They traded that for Trent Brown last year. So it's like, okay, like I kind of see it. It's not my favorite move, right? but again, you lose Karis. Mason becomes that much more valuable. It gets a lot weirder, right? And the, the, the flip side me. of that is true too, by the way, if yeah. they've got like a second for Mason, all right, well, you need two guards, but now you have an extra top 50 pick. Right. That, you know, you you draft a guard there. They've done that plenty of times. So right. it's 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 all it's the entire situation that's weird. It's like a perfect storm of things just not going their way that makes this such a weird deal. So the other thing I would say too is we talked about this yesterday with JC Jackson. We've all been clamoring for the Patriots to get that number one wide receiver, to get that top dog in their offense. And because they lost J.C. Jackson in free agency yesterday, it now feels like corner is a more immediate need on this team than wide receiver. And now they've made interior offensive line a major need for them or however they want to shake it up. There's going to be a big hole on the offensive line to fill. And the absolute worst thing that they could possibly do is overreact to that and draft a guard at 21. Like if they draft a guard at 21, that is such a terrible use of that asset. Like this is a premium asset, the 21st overall pick as a top 25 selection in a deep draft. That's a good pick. And to use that on a guard instead of using it on a receiver or using it on a pass rusher or a linebacker that can also rush the passer or a corner and going away from the premium spots of that draft choice, that would be a huge miscalculation. So the one I'm, they haven't done that yet. So let's not freak out about right. it. Right. But I, the one I thing say, I would definitely say is like all these tweets and stuff like that. Oh, well what, now they could potentially take a guard. What about Zion Johnson? 
if they take Zion Johnson at 21, I don't care how good of a player he is. That is a terrible usage of asset allocation, right? It just doesn't guards at 21 do not give you value. And that's a terrible thing. So, but, but I, to kind of piggyback off that point, I don't disagree about what you're seeing with the 21st pick. I think now it's even more likely they're going to trade down for what it's worth. I think you're going to see something like the trade, uh, 2020, the trade they did with Kyle Duggar, where they move right. down, they, they move out of the first for a second and 30, pick up two extra top 60 picks. I, or, or top 90 picks. I, yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense right now, but I'll, I'll say this and you kind of hinted at it. What we talked about yesterday, right? Wide receiver is a need, but there's two kinds of needs. There's yeah. there's luxury needs, and then there's just needs, right? A luxury need is, yeah, you have, play, you have players at the position. You can get better. You have players at the position. A need is, you're looking at the depth chart, and it's blank. Or right. you have no NFL caliber players at that position, right? So wide receiver is a luxury need. It's probably as borderline as you're going to get, but Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, those are NFL players across the board. Wasn't that case in 2020? Was not the case in 2020. In 2021, they had NFL wide receivers across the board. They also have Hunter Henry. They brought James White back today, which I will say was a very good and important move. At tackle, right? Tackle right now, pending Trent Brown, that's an immediate need. That's not a luxury need. That's an immediate need. They may view left tackle as an immediate need. They like to stay a year ahead of that. If they know they're not going to bring Isaiah They don't have the luxury right now, Alex, to stay a year ahead of things. But but they may see it. I'm I'm telling you, you're right. They may see it that way. Just for the point, they may see it that way. That's an immediate need. Uh, Guard is now an immediate need. One spot, guard, because you have Michael Nwenu. Or if you want to move him to tackle, then, then two guards are immediate needs. Inside linebacker, I think even with today's trade, is still an immediate need. That can be erased by bringing back Bentley or Hightower, but that is still an immediate need. And obviously, cornerback is an immediate need. So you just, we've now added another position before you can get to, you know, you're going to rank the immediate needs and the luxury needs. Wide receivers at the top of the list of luxury needs, clearly, top of that list. But you can't get to that list until you finish off the immediate needs. And there's now another position on that first list in guard. That doesn't mean they need to spend the 21st overall pick to address it. But yesterday, wasn't really a need at all. I thought they'd be, they, you know, they were going to be okay. They still had Mason on when you're fine. Maybe you draft somebody late as a potential successor. Now you could argue they need, they need a guard more than a wide receiver. Yeah. And that is just, that's the problem is that now they have put themselves in a position where they can convince themselves to take a guard at 21 over Chris Olave. And I'm going to lose my freaking mind, right? Because they can take a guard on day two, they can put James Ferentz in at guard for all I care. They will be better off. I know everybody wants to sit here and say that, oh, protection matters. All these things matter. The Patriots will figure it out in terms of protecting Mac Jones. I, I truly believe that. And uh, we'll get to this next shoe to drop here in a second. There is a next shoe to drop. They're freeing up cap oh, space yeah. to do something. Okay. And Andrew Callan of the Herald, who broke the news that the Patriots were trading Shaq Mason, tweeted out a little bit after he broke that news that the Patriots have also kicked around the idea of trading for Cowboys right tackle, Lyle Collins, who is one of the best right tackles in football and is an absolute stud. He's a really good football player. The Cowboys have cap issues as well. They're trying to get out of his contract. So there is, I think the best case scenario here for the offensive line. Now, I think the other shoe that could potentially drop is as I tweeted out earlier, 
the Patriots are still very active in the wide receiver market. Basically, the entire wide receiver market is waiting for Allen Robinson to make a decision. And it is a little bit it is a little bit peculiar that the Patriots all of a sudden just traded their starting guard to free up six and a half million dollars in cap space when they're linked to all these wide receivers and free agency. So maybe something could happen there. But let's start with Collins because that's the one solidified report that we have in terms of a name. And Again, one of the best right tackles in football, uh, somebody that the Cowboys are looking to move on from or potentially release. So I don't think that you're going to have to trade a premium pick to get Lyle Collins. If the offensive line next year is win at tackle, uh, a guard from the draft, Andrews on Wenu on the interior, and then Lyle Collins at right tackle, that is a line that I can get behind. Like I think the Patriots would have a very good to above average offensive line with that group and would mitigate this thing a little bit of Shaq Mason being dealt here. The return on Shaq Mason is not good no matter which way you slice it, but if they can get Lyle Collins for a day three pick from the Cowboys, then it obviously makes things feel a little bit better. I guess. I guess. And then that does, because he's under contract multiple years, right? Collins? I believe so. So then uh, they answer that question at right like they can't here's my thing you can't have a one-year right tackle i don't think their right tackle this year can be gone a one-year deal because then you're essentially looking to replace both tackles next year are you pulling up the contract or am i i am yeah so he signed okay. a five-year 50 million dollar deal and it looks like it kicks in and he's a free agent in 2025 so okay. currently so, his, his yearly cash, just for reference, is $10 million this year. So his cap hit would be $10 million, maybe a little bit more based off of playing time, incentives, and stuff like that uh, for his new team this year. So that would explain Miguel uh, Pat's cap, I think, has the Patriots now at around $14 million in cap space after trading Shaq Mason. So uh, that, that kind of – those cap numbers do line up. Yeah, so – you so you if if it's essentially Lael Collins for Shaq Mason, you're good with that. I'm 100 percent good with that. Younger player, I actually think that Lael Collins at this point in time is probably a better player uh, than Shaq Mason. Actually, they're around the same age, which is kind of crazy. I I felt like Lael Collins was was uh, younger than he'll be. Than he'll Shaq. turn 29 this summer. Yeah, so they're around the same age. Uh, he is, a, I think, at this stage, a better player than Shaq. But it's I most importantly, I would say a premium position right tackle instead of being a guard. And you also have a guy in Mike Onwenu who played right guard in college at Michigan is probably in the, especially the way that Patriots like to run things is a right guard in new England. So in a lot of ways, I, I think I could see uh, them thinking that their right guard is, is he, here in Mike Onwenu right tackle Lyle Collins. That That's a really legitimate right side but, i mean that, that's as good of a right side as you can get can they realistically get lael collins for less than they just got for right like they shouldn't overextend themselves if you traded a, a, a shaq mason for a fifth and then you give up like a third for lael collins that's not worth it's not worth the whatever that would be more than a 60 pick that'd be closer to an 80 pick gap that's not yeah. worth it so what what's collins ultimately like i have no idea what his market is What's Collins ultimately worth? I, I don't think – well, so this is one of those situations where the indication is that the Cowboys are going to cut Lyle Collins if they can't find a trade partner. So if that's the case, because he does have an out in his contract this year for Dallas that carries uh, $14 million in dead cap, so they can get out of their his contract this year. So 
if that's the indication, just like we saw with Amari Cooper, once teams know that you're going to release them anyways, you're you're throwing a pick at them just to get the deal through so that you don't have to compete in free agency for his services, right? So that's the thing is that Leal Collins at five for 50, $10 million in cash this year. That is a fantastic deal for the team that makes that trade because if he's just an unrestricted free agent in this market, Leal Collins is getting a lot more than that on the open market as a free agent. So it's a decent deal in terms of what you're getting for the player. That's the really the only thing that I can convince myself into on terms of the offensive line. Obviously we all want Allen Robinson. If that happens, then I think that we can all stomach this a little bit more too. But if you just want to go off of what we know is that they do have some interest in Lyle Collins, I'm all for it. Yeah, again, I, it's, you know, we got to see the return. They in, in those situations, they generally wait for the player to get cut because they'd rather have him under their, they structure their deals a very certain way, right? So yeah. they'd rather wait. And it is worth noting, Lyle Collins, like anybody who got cut, um, who is it today? Janoris Jenkins, Miles um, Jack. Those guys don't count against the comp pick formula. And that's going to matter. That's going to matter. If you have two players who are close in ability and one guy is coming off an expiring contract and the other guy was cut, they're going to go with, they're going to try to get the guy who was cut. They're going to value that guy more because he doesn't hurt their comp pick situation. And they're going to be due comp picks. JC Jackson should be the top comp pick in the 2023 draft. Now, some of it, I, I believe, is based on money, right? Who knows with what Jacksonville's doing? The Cardinals will probably end up getting like a second for Christian Kirk because of how much money Jacksonville freaking paid that guy. But, possible, but I that's a third. I, I know it's not. I yeah. was embellishing for for effect. Yes. Um, I you know I would think Ted Karras is a comp pick player, probably sixth or seventh yeah. round. Yeah. But- so it, it's all about what's called CFAs, right? Which is certified free agents, guys that make a certain amount of money qualify for the comp pick formula and the comp pick formula is not as simple as the Patriots get a third for JC Jackson, no matter what it's talent in and talent out. So if you sign a guy comparable to JC Jackson, then they cancel each other out. So that's what you're talking about now with the comp picks. And I agree that's going to be a factor. Yeah. And and so just to finish that, because you have explained it, I've had people ask me about this all day because I tweeted about it. So, yes, if you sign a player comparable to J.C. Jackson, the thirds cancel out. That right. only applies to guys who are coming off expiring deals. Correct. Somebody like Miles Jack, who was cut. Somebody like Bobby Wagner, who was cut. If Lael Collins gets cut, they don't factor into that. So Right. So, Lael Collins getting traded or cut to the Patriots wouldn't factor into that. If the Patriots were to make a move for a wide receiver or a corner or something like that in the trade market, that also wouldn't qualify. If there, there's a player that was released recently that you saw, uh, not Jarvis Landry, they're not in on Jarvis Landry, but anybody else. No, I'm that fine released, with that, honestly. Or, yeah, who, who was released or something like that recently. You can look at that and then say, okay, that could potentially be an option. And this kind of segues us. I know people are mad about Shaq Mason. We just went for 20 minutes on it. I did want to talk about some other things. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. It's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage as the tournament is finally upon us. Looking to wager this year, BetOnline 
is the number one spot for all your updated odds and information, along with the greatest contests, including the bracket contest where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. But online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all the popular sports and games. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, the Mac Wilson trade, uh, the Chase Winovich for Mac Wilson swap. I was told the Patriots were in on Josie Jewell, who signed with the Broncos or re-upped with the Broncos shortly after the Mac Wilson deal. And although Josie Jewell's contract wouldn't, cancel out somebody like jc jackson's it might flirt with somebody like ted karras right and i think that the patriots looked at it and said instead of giving somebody like josie jewel uh two years 12 million dollars we can pay a fraction of the cost for mac wilson and do it via trade so we don't have to worry about the comp pick formula right so these are the types of moves that if you're a patriots fan and you want to try to predict the next move that bill belichick is going to make I definitely think the next move is going to be something that involves a player that was either recently released or is available via trade, because I don't think that these free agents necessarily are where they want to go right now in this market. The wide receiver market is absolutely bonkers. I mean, Christian Kirk and the Jaguars just broke the, broke the game, right? Like let's, press restart let's blow on the cartridge and try again because that's exactly what happened with christian kirk he gets 17 18 million dollars a year now alan robinson's still not signed because he's sitting there with his agent and his agent is saying if kirk's getting 18 my guy's 22 right like that's our starting point so that's the situation with the wide receiver market and that's a difficult one to do as well because the patriots I don't think you're going to pay Allen Robinson $20 million a year. So look for those trades, look for those cuts. We can talk about this Mac uh, Wilson trade now as well. And uh, then we'll circle back to Shaq Mason and give some closing thoughts at the end. Yeah. So in regards to, to Josie Jewell or, or Mac Wilson, I, I'm actually okay with them going the way they yeah. did. I, I don't think Josie Jewell, you know, if it was, uh, a guy like Bobby Wagner, they were in on, I think miles Jack would be a home run signing. I don't know if they're in on him or not. Like then I might feel more strongly about it to me. Jules, an okay player, fine player. He was hurt. He didn't really play last year. Only played two games, significant shoulder injury. You're going to have to commit to him for multiple years. You're probably going to have to overpay him. I don't know that he's proven, right? I don't know that he's that guy. Mac Wilson. They've done this before. They've taken underperforming linebackers who are probably not in a system fit brought them in and turned them into players. Kyle Van Noy is the shining example. They've done it on a lower level too with guys like Marquise Flowers, guys like Akeem Ayers, right? They do this. So he's on the last year's rookie deal, you know, for one year, you see what he is. Realistically, either way, it's not enough. Wilson or Jewel, you're going to have to keep adding. I think that going, I think signing Jewel would have been overextended and they had to trade Winovich anyway. Realistically, he yeah. was not hanging around his value wasn't tremendous. Like a fifth round pick is what I thought you were getting for Winovich. Forget right. Jack Mason, right? So to get a player and in Wilson was a fifth round pick three years ago, and they do kind of look at that in terms of value. But I I, I actually think that's the better move of the two. I really do. Uh, I'm not 
as high on Mac Wilson. Like you were texting me earlier, you were surprised former Alabama, yeah, Alabama, Alabama national champion. Right. The thing I remember, and, and I can't say I've watched a ton of Mac Wilson in the NFL. Um, but I know that this is kind of carried over to his pro career. But the thing I remember about Mac Wilson, Alabama, when he's on, he's on, he's an Alabama middle linebacker. Like you'd expect, right. he's a, he's a player. He just wasn't as consistent as some of the other guys you've seen come through that program. There were games where he he just didn't seem to know what he was looking at, right? And that that worries me because this defense needs consistency after the way last year ended. I want you want somebody reliable in there. Like that feels right. like a huge thing right now. So let's see what role they have for Wilson. If he's like a sub, just third down linebacker, I think that's a great role. It's a good trade. If he's the guy. And now, you know, they're beyond Quay Walker and Troy Anderson, a lot of those guys we've talked about. Right. Then, yeah, I, I know that I love him in that spot. But I, he's a good player to add. I think they got him for relatively nothing. I'm not mad at the trade, but I'm not willing to say they're done adding at linebacker either because of it. Oh, no, definitely not. But I do think that there's some interesting tea leaves to read with the way that their linebacker room is shaping up. And this is really more so to me about – what schematic changes we could be seeing with the Patriots defense moving forward that actually an indication that Mac Wilson himself is going to be a big time player for the Patriots. Like I'm not as caught up in the player. His tape was okay. I think it, it lacks juice. It lacks punch. When you watch him play, he's often where he's supposed to be. He makes plays when he's around the football and when he's targeted in coverage, he plays pretty well in coverage. He can carry tight ends down the field vertically and be able to stay attached to them up the field. But I think the biggest thing that you lack with his tape is real big time splash plays. Like it, you had to comb through. I come through five or six games from him from the last two seasons to find some plays to really exemplify the type of guy that I think that he could bring to the table because the casual fan isn't going to just look at, Oh, look at him carry number three vertical here. This is so cool, right? Like it's not, it's not really as aesthetically pleasing as a pass breakup or a tackle for loss or something like that. The other thing that I, you know, you know, the Patriots are focused on. He was pro as much as the Browns defense was terrible that day. He was probably the best Browns defender on the field in that game in Foxborough last season. And, you know, the Patriots watched the tape from that game back and said, oh, well, this linebacker 51 had a decent game, right? Like he he was kind of a problem for us. So that's a guy that I think that they've been over in the draft before, obviously being a Bama guy in 2019. And then again, this season scouting Cleveland and then reviewing the Cleveland game, they've probably seen a decent amount of Mac. Now, the other thing that I wonder though, to go back to the schematic changes. Well, can I, a couple more things I want to add on, on Mac Wilson before we wrap it up. I've had a lot of people ask me, all right, you know, he's a successful Alabama linebacker. Why'd he go in the fifth round? He only stayed, in college for three years, Saban tried to talk him into coming back. If he stays another year, he's probably a top 100 pick. He came out very raw. And again, that's another thing where the Patriots coaching staff has had success with this. He came right into the NFL. He may not, you know, the it's the Cleveland Browns. They probably didn't right. develop him right. You know, he's been in a bad coaching spot for a while. They might be able to round him out in a way a team like the Browns wasn't the other thing. And I'm trying to look it up because we know they have a history of this. They will look at got, and this ties into that point. They will go back and look at the high school rankings. Yeah. They will go back and look at high school tape and see, okay, what 
top ranked high school players didn't, you know, didn't pan out. And is it because they weren't coached right in college, right? Is there talent here that the college didn't? Now that wouldn't happen necessarily in Alabama, or it could right. be something like, was he not coached right when he got in the NFL? They did that. JC Jackson's a prime example. JC Jackson was the number one recruit in his class. Obviously there's extenuating circumstances as to why he wasn't drafted, but uh, he's an example. I'm trying to think of the other ones. Uh, you know, there's some other guys further down the roster. Byron Cowart was the top recruit in his class, got absolutely ruined by Auburn. I, I believe yeah. he came out and said he regretted going to Auburn. So here it is. Mac Wilson, the 2016 recruiting class, 34th overall recruit in the class. That And that, that was a pretty good class. I mean, I'm scrolling down here. Some of the guys he's ahead of, Miles Sanders, Devin Asiasi was a high high school recruit. Uh, Mecole Hartman was 48th in that class. Tyree Cleveland, 52nd. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and make people listen to me read the whole list. But the point is, yeah. there's he, he checks a lot of boxes for what they look for in that diamond in the rough, right? He's right. every example of, you know, th- there's something we can do that his previous team couldn't do for him. And we'll do it and we'll fix him and we'll turn him into a player. Like that is, I think, the draw in Mac Wilson. Yeah, and he's somebody that can definitely cover. He's a much more athletic linebacker than what they had in Bentley and Hightower. I wouldn't necessarily call him a sideline to sideline player in terms of his run pursuit, but he can definitely. I mean, like their standards, he is. Yeah, for sure. He can definitely carry guys down the field, though. That's the point, right? If you have a tight end in the slot or in the number three spot in line, he's running a seam, he's running some sort of vertical, and a guy like Mac Wilson can carry him up the field and that's not something that they've really had at that linebacker spot for a while honestly a lot of his profile reminds me a little bit of Raekwon McMillan's right a similar uh, special teams core special teams guy so they seem to kind of be doubling up on that sort of thing but back to the uh, kind of schematic changes so the Patriots right now don't have a single linebacker on their roster listed over 245 pounds unless you want to count Anthony Jennings as a linebacker but I don't, I count him as an edge player, outside linebacker, not an inside guy. Uh, he he can play the middle. He played the middle a little bit at Alabama. He's a big dude. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think they see him as more of an edge guy. But regardless, semantics. They typically are up over 250 pounds with their inside linebackers. The biggest reason why is that they played that 3-4 odd front, an oaky front, where they don't cover the guards with players on the line of scrimmage. So there's bubbles over the guards or openings over the guards. If you're going to uncover the guards in an odd front, you can't have 235-pound linebackers because those guards are going to fit up to the second level. They're going to pull. They're going to lead block up to the second level at the linebackers. And that's when you need to have your Dante Hightowers and your Jawan Bentleys come and bring the sledgehammer, right? Because got a 235-pound guy trying to meet a guard at the point of attack. It's not going to end well for the linebacker most of the time. So if the Patriots are going this direction with these faster, smaller Mac Wilson type linebackers, then playing the odd front is not what they're going to be doing next year. So this could definitely be an indication. Now I know I'm reading a lot into one move. So let's see what happens with the rest of their linebacker moves and what they do the rest of free agency. Then obviously in the draft, but they could be moving to more of an even front team. Uh, They could also potentially be moving to more zone. And that's why they're getting faster and smaller at linebacker so that their linebackers can handle more zone coverage. That's the type of thing that I think we need to continue to look for and see if 
are the Patriots moving in a different direction with the way that they're going to play defense? No JC Jackson, the back end, the shadow number ones. They're getting smaller at linebacker. I think Christian Barmore is at his best is a three technique. So you go even front, you can play him more at the three technique. Those are the types of things that I'm interested to see if this is kind of the precursor to the fact that they're going to dip into the draft and get a little bit smaller at linebacker. Now they could resign a guy like Bentley. Uh, they could go after uh, some of the bigger backers in the draft and none of this will ever even matter, but that's the where I'm at with the potential here, especially after what Gerard Mayo said during Super Bowl week, that they want to get faster. They want to get more athletic. They want to get more playmakers at the second level. Uh, if they're going to do all those types of things, then they need to play even fronts because they're not going to be able to put 235 pound linebackers in that three, three, four. Those guys are just going to get run over. And like, maybe they want to mix. Maybe they want to mix. I've talked about this before, trying to find some hybrid between what they like to do and and, and adjusting it to the more modern game. What is Miles Jack officially released? I saw Miles Jack's name on Twitter. Skip the beat. Um, Yeah, you know, it could be some sort of mix, but they're definitely getting smaller at linebacker. The one thing that's surprising, everybody's been pointing out the the size of those guys, and I think that's a fair point. I would add to that. It's also a very, very young group. Yeah. And beyond youth, a lot of guys who haven't played a ton in the NFL. That's not necessarily a bad, like, I don't mean that as a bad thing. I'm just, that's generally a position where Bill Belichick values veterans. He values NFL experience. He values age, right? We've seen that over the last few years. So right. it's just a bit jarring to see how young that group is all of a sudden. We remember in 2020, they only had like three guys with NFL experience. Juwan Bentley was the oldest player in the group. So they've done it before, but they had a massive overcorrection after that, right? They bring in Kyle yeah. Vannoy. They bring in Matthew Judon. Uh, they bring Collins. back Dante Hightower, Jamie Collins, right? right. So it, that, that sta- as much as the size, the age stands out to me as well, just to point that out. Yeah, I, I, I think that those are the two things really that – there is to point out about this. Are they going to more even fronts? Are they going to more zone? Are they going to continue to stay young at linebacker? Those are the types of things that we'll continue to monitor here quickly. Pour one out for Chase Winovich. I don't think anybody's actually surprised that the Patriots moved on here from Chase Winovich, but if you could point to one thing about the Chase Winovich experience, Alex, why didn't it work? Because the first two seasons in the NFL, he has 11 sacks. He's a pretty productive player, especially as a rookie. It seemed like he was going to be a part of the solution moving forward on defense and the next wave of front seven defenders for New England. Then he plays that game against uh, Baltimore. I'll I'll never forget that one where he's playing inside linebacker, and he's actually looks like a pretty good player there as well. He can play football. There's no doubt about it that Chase Winovich is an NFL player, but it didn't work here. What's the biggest reason why in your mind? Um, By the way, I think the comp picks just came out. Um, uh, discipline, discipline, right? Not like off the field stuff, like rush discipline. They want somebody who's going to set the edge. Who's not going to allow the quarterback to break contain unless you're Matthew Judon or Chandler Jones and you have elite, elite makeup speed. And yes, makeup speed is a thing for pass rushers, not just corners. Unless right. you have elite makeup speed as a pass rusher, they, they would rather you be disciplined, push the pocket, not allow the quarterback get outside and be able to defend against the run if that's needed. You know, they we've heard it said before they view an incomplete pass and a sack as equal, right? Right. As long as it's not a positive play, it doesn't need to be a negative play. If the quarterback throws the ball away, they lose the down, they don't gain any yards and move on. So I just don't think that was Winovich's game. I think maybe they thought, you know, they saw the pass rush potential and it's there. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a decent player in Cleveland or wherever he ends up long-term. Because some teams are built, some teams like their pass rushers to do that more, and some teams are built better to handle that. The Patriots right. aren't, right? Uh, when you're generally bringing your linebackers downhill, you're if you're in zone, you have more eyes watching the quarterback, you can be more aggressive. That's obviously not the case in New England, or it hasn't been the case in New England. Um, I think they thought they could teach him to be more disciplined while still having him be the kind of pass rusher he showed he could be. And either they couldn't, or he just didn't pick up on it or whatever. But I think that's ultimately the disconnect there. Yeah, I think that schematically or football-wise, that was definitely it. He was a bit of an oddball, though, too, right? And I think the way that – I think he talked too much for them, quite frankly. I just don't think that it was much of a culture fit either uh, for really either side. And I'm not saying that that was ultimately the bigger reason why. I think the bigger reason why is what you hit on. But I do think it is worth mentioning that from a culture standpoint, I don't think that – he was really the type of guy, their flavor, their, their cup of tea. And, and I, I think that was part of it as well to a degree because he was rolling in the 2019 season at one point and they pulled him back. Remember they, they benched right. him for a while. So something went on there in terms of some of his radio interviews and some of his uh, meetings with us in the media and those types of things. But uh, yeah, for the most part, it was the fact that he couldn't set the edge. Right. And he just wasn't their type of edge setter, their type of rusher on the edge at outside linebacker. So Chase Winovich and Mac Wilson, uh, there's that trade. The Patriots also today brought back James White on a two-year deal, pretty affordable contract for the team. I put this stat out there right after they uh, announced that they had re-signed James White, that taking his first two games from last year, he was on pace for over 100 catches last year. Like he was going to have a monster year uh, with Mac Jones, as Mac Jones is a safety valve, just like he was for Tom Brady. So I think if James White can get back to full speed, obviously it's not the number one weapon that we all want and are clamoring for, but that that's a really positive out, uh, outcome for the Patriots if James White is the same guy. Yeah, let me – sorry, I had my notes here. Let me pull these over. Um, for the last five years, James White's been first or second on the team in catches. You tweeted, you tweeted this out earlier. He would have had over 100 catches last year if he stayed on his pace before he got hurt important, important player in the Patriots offense. They missed him. They missed him. And I know people don't want to hear this and it's not entirely the answer, but this is a weapon Mac Jones didn't have last year that he will now have. Brandon Bolden did an admiral job. uh, 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 What's the word? Not admiral. Brandon Bolden did a decent job filling in. Admirable job. Yes, I know. Whatever it is. It's not football. Um, Brandon Bolden did a decent (laughs) job filling in. He's not James White. That's the reality of it. James White, since James White took an active role in the offense in 2015, he registered his rookie year. Since he took an active role in the offense in 2015, he's second in the league in receptions among running backs, second in the league in receiving yards, uh, or sorry, he's third in both of those categories, but the only other back with at least 300 catches, 2,500 yards, and 20 or more touchdowns in that span, in addition to James White, is Alvin Kamara. The guy is is a playmaker on offense. Getting hit, we'll see. You know how he looks physically. It sounds like he's doing well coming off that hip injury. If he's in good shape, right? Having him back for Mac Jones, it's going to be a big deal. That's going to make a difference. Doesn't yeah. mean they're done adding on offense. Doesn't mean they couldn't use another wide receiver, but he will help them. He he'll he'll definitely help. So I think the one thing that you know, I think Brandon Bolden, like you said, he did a, a really nice job filling in for James White, and there were certain routes that Brandon Bolden ran that were 
you know, on James White's level, like I thought that Brandon Bolden was a really good wheel route runner last year coming out of the backfield as a screen back. He had some good plays with the football in his hands on screens and misdirection plays, but he didn't have that ability, that short area agility to get open on a, in a one-on-one matchup like James White can, right? He doesn't have that shiftiness or that one-on-one ability. And the Patriots are so good especially backside uh, of getting a linebacker on James White and getting that mismatch and being able to have James White just go to work on that option route coming out of the backfield. And Bolden was not really that type of guy, right? He just wasn't that. He's not shifty at the top of the route like James White is. That is such a really useful tool for the Patriots and obviously for Mac. And uh, I think that that's going to be a big thing to have him back as well. Uh, A couple of other things that happened uh, while we were – uh, sleeping probably from a lot of us, but off the air yesterday, uh, big kick Nick back for two more years. Uh, the Patriots Inc. Nick Folk. Uh, this one also sounds like a slam dunk for new England. Didn't cost them a ton. Didn't break the bank. And one of the most consistent kickers in the league over the last couple of years. Yeah, he's been excellent and no brainer, you know, didn't want to dip into the kicking market. What did young way get from the Falcons today? He got big yeah. money. Yeah. Big money. He, he's one of the few guys who's arguably been better than Folk over the last few years. So they get him back for two years. I, I don't think Quinn Nordian was going to be the guy. He was very fascinating last year, certainly. But his accuracy was still a question. That's not something you can just snap your fingers and fix, right? right? So, yeah, this was a no-brainer. Good, affordable deal. No reason to be upset about this one. Yep. So those that pretty much sums up where we're at now uh, with the Patriots. Uh, I can rattle it off really quickly here. They've re-signed Devin McCourty, Matthew Slater, Brian Hoyer, James Ferentz, Nick Folk, and James White. They have traded for Mac Wilson. They have tendered Jacoby Myers, and they have lost Kyle Van Noy, Ted Karras, J.C. Jackson, Chase Winovich, and now Shaq Mason. Obviously, they've lost a lot. It's still early on. I want to circle back to the Shaq Mason trade before we sign off here. And I think the biggest thing for me now that I've had some time to dwell on it even more and think about this, what my curiosity with these types of moves and the way that they handle their cap is how much does real dollars actually come into play here, right? I'm not talking about cap space. I'm not talking about what we see on over the cap or spot track or whatever. I'm talking about real money because the only explanation for why the Patriots don't like borrowing from the future at any rate, really, I I don't buy the whole thing. Like they don't want to increase cap hits in future years. Like I I think that that's easily manipulated and easily avoidable, especially with the way that the cap is going up in order to make those types of conversions happen. Then Robert Kraft has to sign a big fat check to Matthew Judon, right? That that's to me where I'm wondering here is, is real cash such a big factor in the way that they do things that they're not willing to make these restructures happen and they're not willing to borrow from future seasons to the point now where they've I, Kyle Van Noy, I take it or leave it, but he was a solid player for them last year. And then right. now they're trading Shaq Mason for a fifth round pick just to free up cap space that they could have done in a multitude of other ways. And I get, you don't want to be the new Orleans saints. You don't want to get stuck in a position where you're $90 million over the cap because you've done this so many times with the salary cap conversions that doesn't work out. But 
they could have converted Judon's salary. They could have converted Jalen Mills' salary. And this isn't going to break the bank in future seasons. I What I don't understand about this move is why was Shaq Mason the domino? Like, why was that the box that needed to be checked when they could have done this in a multitude of other ways to free up the same amount of cap space? And I guess I'll, I'll say what I said yesterday. I'll echo what I said yesterday after the, the J.C. Jackson news, right? This is half the equation. You know, when we talk about the Shaq Mason trade, it's it's half the equation. The other half is what do they do with it? Who do they get to replace him? What do they do with that pick? Like, I, I looked this up um, because it's a similar trade, and I mentioned it earlier when they traded Logan Mankins, right, in 2014. That was not a popular move at the time. It was not a popular move at the time. But they got a fourth-round pick back. They got Tim Wright back. They went on to win the Super Bowl that year. Uh, with that fourth-round pick, they took Trey Flowers. They had a second fourth round pick that year that was freed up because they had that pick to take flowers with that fourth round pick. They took Shaq Mason or those picks. Sorry. We're in 2015. They, they traded Mankins in 14. They were 15 picks, but the point being, so you go back and you look at that. Well, they brought in, they brought in brought was that was the year they brought in Brian waters, right? Or am I remembering that incorrectly? Brian waters was 2011. Wasn't he? Was he? Somebody played guard. I don't know. They, they clearly had a, I, I can't remember who it was, but they clearly had a capable guard in 2014. They won the Super Bowl. They find a replacement. They used the pick. They turned the pick into a player. Ultimately, it worked out. Are they going to, like, am I saying they're going to do that this time and it's fine? No. It's half the equation. We need to see, I, impressive, I remember it. I clearly don't remember it. Um, we, need to, we need to see, the, we need to have the whole picture before we decide if this is a good trade or not, but it's a lot of these, they're creating a lot of these trees, a lot of these branches where it can go one way or the other, right? They're creating it, and you don't want those. You want to just know what direction you're going and be on the path and, and feel good about it. Suddenly, now there's, you know, the J.C. Jackson thing. That's branching out. Now the Shaq Mason thing. Now there's decisions they have to make here and this and that and this and that. You don't want as many of those as possible. It's not saying they can't handle them, but it, you don't – you want to limit those situations. Now the Patriots have a ton of them. I'm trying to see who the starting guard was in 2014 because it's going to bug me now. It just, it just makes – like, I, again, I, I'm just – I'm struggling to figure out what their reluctance is so much from just doing a few of those cap maneuvers. Like, it's not like we're saying, oh, let's free up $60 million in cap space by converting everybody's salary and extending and pushing everything out to future years. But if you want $6.5 million in cap space to go and do something, then converting one guy, they've done it in the past, right? Like when they had Brady, they did it in the past. They did it with Brady a couple of times. They did it with Stephon Gilmore. They did it with Marcus Cannon. Uh, They did it with a bunch of guys. So it's not like they haven't done it in the past, but they just haven't gone all in at any means of that strategy. And now they seem super reluctant to do it to the point where they parted ways with two solid starters from last season, instead of just doing, you know, finagling the cap in a different way. Again, I'm not that, you know, emotionally upset that they let Kyle Van Noy go from a football perspective. Like I think that they can replace a player like Kyle Van Noy, but this Jack Mason thing, I think is just, I don't know. It just, it just kind of makes no sense to me. And 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 the return makes no sense either. It's more about the return for me, by the way, it was right. They moved Ryan Wendell from center out to guard to replace Mankins inside or drafted uh, Brian Stork, the the Remington winner who center of the year in college football. So you know, and yeah. they didn't take Stork here. I go again, not remembering. They didn't take Stork high. I believe it was a fourth round pick they used on Brian Stork. If that, it might have been lower. So they, uh, they again, there's there's ways around that, right? If they go in the draft and they hit on a day three pick on a guard, and that guy's a starter, 
well, then, okay, then this trade looks all right. You freed up cap space and, and like, yeah, it was a fourth round pick store. Like you said, they freed up cap space that they go get Leo Collins. They've got their long-term right tackle. You made the seamless switch at guard. Like, great. Like that's, that would work. There's a lot of ifs there. You got to figure it all out. So it's just, it's more things now. The to-do list keeps getting longer and longer. It can all be accomplished, but right. each step you add makes it that much harder to do the rest of them. And they keep adding steps to that list. Yeah. The other thing too about this, and this starts a couple of years ago, this is another one of those trades where I think everybody's scratching their heads. Like how did they only get a fifth round pick back for that guy? Like last yes. year it was Stefan Gilmore for a sixth. This all started with Jimmy G, right? Jimmy G for the second was the big one back then. Well, but we have yeah, Stephon Gilmore yeah. for a sixth, Shaq Mason for a fifth. Who are like, is this truly what these guys' markets are? Or are they, what are they doing with these trades? Also, I think is a really interesting question because it feels like a lot of people around the league, when they react to these types of things post trade and i'm not just talking about media i'm talking about agents and people that I, I speak to in the league they all come back to me and they're like we we figured they probably could have done a little bit better there i mean i'm not sitting here saying that they could have gotten a first round pick for shaq mason but all of us when we saw fifth round pick for shaq mason we're like what the heck you know how's that all that right. you get for one of the top five six guards in football and, and you're getting a, a fifth round pick back for him it just it's also not a contract like Amari Cooper got a fifth round pick back for Dallas because he had $20 million due for him this year. Right. Jack Mason didn't have $20 million due for him next year. It's just really also a tough pill to swallow in a, in a part of this. And I think everybody that wants the big move in free agency that wants the wide receiver uh, that wants them to make one of these splash signings or trades or whatever the case may be, the only way that they're going to be able to go out and do that is if they start borrowing from future years. And they seem super reluctant to do that. These deals like Shaq Mason getting shipped off for a fifth round pick, like, yeah, they could use that money to go and do something, but they also just need operating costs. Like they were starting to get tied up against the cap because of the guys that they were bringing in, you know? So it, right. that this move to me doesn't necessarily mean that the, some Allen Robinson sized domino is about to fall. It means that something's going to happen. They're using the space for something. But again, I just have a really tough time uh, when you start to line up all these trades and the returns that they've gotten out of some of these trades recently, it all, all of it just doesn't add up to me. Like it, and this just, it continues to happen. Like it continues to happen that they keep on making these trades and everybody's perplexed by what they're right. doing. And this comes off the heels at the combine too, of everybody being per perplexed about their coaching staff. Like, so everybody's just kind of perplexed about everything that's going on here at this point. Yeah, it does. It it does kind of feel that way, you know, and it, it's again, once again, it's tough because we have no idea what the final picture is going to be. We don't know what it's going to look like. We're months away. Yeah. That being said, we said that when the coaching staff kind of fell apart and now, and then we found out, well, no, this is what the final picture is going to be. This is it. They're not going to do that with the roster. They're not like they, they literally have to add players. They don't have enough players to feel the team right now, but it's yeah, it's just it feel again, I'll go back to it. The to-do list is so long at this point, it it feels hard to comprehend what this thing's gonna look like on the other side because they have so much work to do. And the assets they have at their disposal, 
is it enough to get done everything they need to do? I, I think it is. I think it'll be very close. I think a couple things have to go their way. Um, right. I think they might have to get creative. I think they can do it. Like I sent you, I, I, my buddy texted me, he's freaking out, like need to change his pants. He's so worried about the team. And I texted him like a 10 step list of what they can do. This was before the Mason trade. So now I guess yeah. it's a longer list, but like, Again, a couple things got to go their way. Doesn't feel unrealistic that they can get there, but man, that list keeps getting longer and longer. And it's you know, at a certain point, you're going to have to start crossing out steps and just saying, "Oh, we we don't have it in us to to accomplish that." Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I think that this is I'm way too early to have this this kind of meltdown too on air. So I, I'll admit we're still way too early in this process, and that's important context to really hammer home and keep us all a little bit relaxed here. But I think it's exactly what you just said. It's that, and I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the show, they're taking on water at this point, right? Like they, if they had gone through this off season and they had just stayed afloat of where they were last year, and then you add a draft class on top of what they were able to accomplish last year and you keep progressing that way, then I think that that would, would be, optimistic like I, I would be optimistic about that if they brought back all their guys even if they didn't bring back jc but if they brought back all their guys they had a good draft and they just kept the train rolling and didn't really create so much you know kind of uncertainty and holes on their roster but now you look at this roster they need corners they need offensive linemen they need a wide receiver they need uh, linebackers or even just front seven players in general it, there's a lot of boxes to check and now the list just keeps getting longer and longer. And even with Shaq Mason being dealt, they only have $14 million in cap space to spend it on veteran guys. They only have seven picks in the draft. So there's not a whole lot of assets to go around to really attack all of these problems either. Uh, quick side note here. Cause I just got like yeah. three or four DMS about it. Let's just call Let's just clarify. It's completely unrelated. But let's just clarify something. Yes. You have not reported the Patriots have shown interest in Brandon Cooks, right? No. I don't know where this I, came from. I didn't I got, I'm assuming from. you saw this too. I got enough DMs about it that I just wanted to say. I wanted to make sure I didn't miss it because I do space, space out during the show from time to time, as I'm sure people can tell. I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss that one. So I'm pretty sure that this is like a troll account that I'm now feeding into that has... Right. Uh, I Don't feed into reason, it, but... For some reason, it, it's called My Patriots Updates, as I'm sure is a play on uh, Ari's account, my sports updates, right? It's actually, so, it, it's actually Bill Belichick's burner. Right. He's that's, just pissed that's off. Right. He's putting it all out there. Yeah. I just want to, because again, I'm all in on Brandon. Like if they trade for Brandon Cooks, if they flip this fifth round pick, because, you know, they got for Shaq Mason for Brandon Cooks, that I might be okay with that. That, you know, and then they go and they, they get a guard in the draft and, yeah, I don't, that, know, who, that I don't know who this person is. I don't know. I have nothing to do with this person. Uh, all of a sudden, he's telling me things that I'm reporting that I'm not actually reporting. So, uh, so there you go. no, I have not reported that. The only thing I have reported about the wide receiver market is that the Patriots are still making calls about wide receivers. That is it. I have not reported any names. I've not reported anything about Allen Robinson. Uh, and we'll see what happens with the Patriots and wide receivers, but we need to have any names you want to give us. No, not right now. Maybe, maybe tomorrow. We'll see. What are, what are the names? Let's read real quick. Let's, let's reset the board here. What are the names? Because you have put names out there. Yes. So so MVS is still out there. Marquez Valdez Scantling. They're definitely interested in him. They've talked to him. They've inquired. 
his market's getting a little bit wonky too. Like they're talking about on his camp, $12 million a year as a starting yeah. point for his offer. I, I just don't see that happening. I don't really see the reason for the Patriots to go there. Is MVS a $12 million player? I, I, I just, in this, I mean, in this market, he might be overall. I, I don't I know. Think I, I mean, they already have Nelson Aguilar on, on that contract. Though, right. Right. And, right. and so I don't know. I what's Aguilar, what's Aguilar's deal? His well, his his cap hit this year is over fourteen million dollars, just because they backloaded it like they usually do. Well, so so how much would they save if they moved him? If they traded Aguilar, they would save about ten million in cap. If they cut Aguilar, it's like four and change. So like, because I, I, I'm saying like hypothetically here, right? Yeah. Is MVS worth twelve million? I don't know. MVS. For twelve million, and then you move Aguilar for a pick. That might be a net positive. That I might be a net positive. Move. What's the pick you're getting back for Aguilar? I think the biggest thing is is running into the case is worth a fifth. I don't know, but right, probably nothing. Like you probably have to pick swap it just to get out of Nelson Aguilar at this point, based off of Amari Cooper for a fifth and Shaq for a fifth. Like True. this yeah. trade market's just not great. I think the biggest thing that you look at though is, I think they were content with making a lateral move at X if they could get better value on the contract, right? Like they wanted to swing big. I think they still are on the purview of Allen Robinson's market. I, I, you know, I'm just kind of going off of what I, what I've heard. I, that's not anything completely solidified, but I think they wanted to swing big on a guy like Allen Robinson. It hasn't come to fruition yet in terms of his market. They don't know what where that direction. No one really knows where what Allen Robinson's doing or thinking right now. That camp has been super quiet this entire time. So with Allen Robinson, we're still waiting on that. They've kicked the tires on guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, they've kicked the tires on guys like Deshaun Hamilton and Jakeem Grant. Uh, those are the types of players that they've reached out to a little bit. They reached out to Cedric Wilson initially, but they bat out of that quickly when they saw the money that Miami was giving him. Uh, they have talked to Travis Benjamin a little bit. So those are some of the guys that I'm hearing that they've at least inquired on. They're inquiring on a decent amount of players, Alex, that can return kicks as well, which I think points to Gunner's situation. So well, Gunner doesn't return kicks. Gunner only returns punts. He returned kicks a little bit last year, but yeah. You're, you're, well, I'm saying can't is in like he doesn't. He's not yeah. good at it. Yeah, um, so they are, yeah. I think, looking you know, between Grant. Uh, I have heard that they've at least showed some preliminary interest in Travis Benjamin, uh, that they might be in the market for a returner. Uh, Deontay Harris in the chat, he got the second-round tender. That Him and Alan Lazard, I think, are pretty much off the board. They're not going to give up a second-round pick for either one of those guys. So, so I was going to ask that, too. You think they're out yeah. on that? Yeah, I don't think they're giving. Would you give up a second round pick for Alan Lazard? I certainly wouldn't. So, I, no. So I I, let happening. me ask you this one though, because we know they've 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 talked to some of these slot guys, and it's a good slot draft. Yeah. Hypothetically, they both sign their tenders. Would you? Tr and this is just a hypothetical. Like, I don't know if I do this or not. I'm just kicking. I'm throwing out a hypothetical here. Jacoby Myers also on a second round tender. Would you trade Jacoby Myers for Alan Lazard? I guess that's a good question. I, I didn't even really think of that. I don't know. I, I don't think so. We uh, know they'll I, do stuff like that. Like when Welker was tendered, yeah. they traded for him. They didn't sign him to the offer sheet. So Right. I think that's the biggest thing, though, is that their school of thought, as far as I know, was 
okay, if we get a if we get a big fish to play on the outside like Allen Robinson, like Robbie Anderson, someone like that, then we we'd like that. We're good with that. But if we're not going to get that and we're going to sign a receiver, then we'd rather get value at that X spot so that once we move on from Nelson Aguilar, we have a cheaper player at that spot. Right. And that's, I think, the biggest thing is that if they sign Marquez Valdez-Scantling, that's not a cheaper player based off of his market right now than Nelson Aguilar. So they're not getting better value on that contract. And I think that's the struggle that they're having right now at this wide receiver market is that they maybe thought that a guy like MVS was going to come in at like nine or 10 million, sort of like what they gave Kendrick Bourne last year. And that was going to be a more discount Nelson Aguilar, but now his market, because thanks to the Jaguars and Christian Kirk has gone absolutely haywire. There's no longer that value field stretcher in, in this free agency class, unless you go down a couple of pegs and you bring back like Demir bird, which I don't think they have any interest in doing. So that's the main thing that I think they're struggling with that wide receiver is that, Essentially now it's like Allen Robinson and backing up the Brinks truck for a guy like Allen Robinson or signing another contract that has questionable value on it, like for somebody like MVS. And the Patriots, I think, might be out in all of it, to be honest with you, just because of the way that this market has shooken out. Yeah, I mean, it's starting to feel that way. So, well, the good news is we got the comp picks today, so the full draft order is coming so we can dig into the mock draft soon. Yeah. You and when I say dig in, I mean dig in. If you want to reverse engineer it, you can go ahead and uh, and figure out the draft order now and uh, figure out. I don't know because there's those additional comp picks now for the hiring the minority coach. I have no. That's the last thing we don't have. I have zero clue how that works. Okay. Um, yeah. Fair if enough. I could reverse engineer it, I would. Trust me. But so believe I'm, I'm it or not, we'll get it soon. So believe it or not, tomorrow is actually the start of the league year. Uh, the league year hasn't even no. started yet. We've had a lot of news the first two days of the legal tampering period. Uh, the, the league year starts tomorrow on Wednesday. Alex and I will be back on the pod tomorrow night to break down any Patriots news. Uh, we'll probably do this again tomorrow night. And then from that point, just go uh, based off of the news and see if there's any uh, breaking or interesting things that we want to talk about. And, uh, go from there but tomorrow we'll do another one of these recap shows about the day in free agency and uh same time as tonight five o'clock on wednesday and uh we'll go from there but again the news today breaking right before we hit record Shaq mason traded to the tampa bay buccaneers for a fifth round pick the patriots have a lot of work to do bill belichick's got his work cut out for him he's got a lot of angry people here in new england i'm sure that are already uh clamoring to see what the heck he's gonna do to dig, dig out of this hole uh, that they've dug themselves into the first couple of days of free agency but as alex uh, walked me back off the plank there's a long way to go right so uh we'll, right. we'll see what ends up happening here over the next couple of weeks and months and we'll have you covered here on patriot speed so thanks so much for watching everybody we'll see you guys tomorrow and until then signing off for alex barth i'm evan lazar We'll see you guys tomorrow night, everybody. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching our content of the six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Please subscribe to my podcast, Patriots Beat, on our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass, or wherever you get your podcasts for a lot more exclusive content right here on the CLNS Media Network.